Hey, welcome to church today. We're so glad that you found us and that you could come and join us online. No matter where you're from, who you are, or how you're watching this service today, we want you to know that you are so welcome and we would love to hear from you too. So say hi in the comments, or if you're tuning in for the very first time today, perhaps church isn't even what you do, we want to extend a very special welcome to you too. We want you to know that you're so welcome and accepted here just as you are. Also, we would love to connect with you and you can do that via the link on screen or by direct messaging on any of our social media platforms. But for now though, let's jump into today's message. Enjoy. Well, hey, it's so great that I can be with you in your living rooms today on what is the eighth online service that we are doing and we've actually laughed about this this week because what we thought we would do for one or two weeks has now turned into a couple of months and who knows how much longer and and I'm thinking to myself I did not sign up for tv work I did not sign up for talking into the lens of a camera but I'm so glad for technology I'm glad that I'm able to do this and I'm glad to have you join us this morning the subject that I want to talk to you about this morning is um, it's really about you knowing who you are in God, knowing what your purpose is in God. And there was a springboard for the subject that I want to talk to you about today. And that springboard was um, several months ago shopping in the supermarket for our groceries. And I happened to stumble across a label on the produce of food that I'd never noticed before. And the label was wonky. It was advertising wonky fruit and wonky veg. And what I noticed about the wonky fruit and the wonky veg is they weren't quite as uniformed as the regular fruit and veg that we find in our supermarket. The raspberries were not quite as bright in colour as raspberries usually are and the carrots were somewhat of an unusual shape. But I very soon realised that the wonkies were actually um, cheaper to purchase and so I began to include them in my shopping. But I would get home and I would wash them, peel them and chop them very quickly before my judgmental family could pass comment on my shopping produce. But a few weeks back, I stumbled across an article about the wonky fruit and veg. And this is what surprised me. Listen to what I found. Wonky fruit and veg is also known as the ugly fruit. And it was blamed for up to 40% of wasted fruit and veg in 2013. 40% of food that we were throwing away was actually good food. But the produce was discarded for failing to meet the retailer's appearance or aesthetic standards. I mean, we discarded good food just because the shape wasn't right, the size wasn't right, the colour wasn't right. But here's what the, the here's what this article said. The same rules that govern human attraction also apply to our to our choice of fruit and veg. In other words, we judge both by appearance. If the apple ain't quite round, we ain't buying it. If the people don't conform to what we deem as normal, then we don't want to know. And this is how we are. In theory, 
This human attraction suggests, human attraction suggests that the more beautiful people are considered to be smarter, brighter, more honest, more sociable, and more successful. So we are naturally attracted to these types of people. And the article also suggests that we eat with our eyes. So the color and the shape of food can either appeal to us or can repulse us. So given these findings, it's no wonder that we always find it's the disfigured potatoes that are left on the shelf. To grow fruit and veg that is worthy of supermarket standards, a farmer has to chemically enhance his produce. In other words, the farmer has to add chemicals such as pesticides, which produce the fruit to be the right shape and the right size and, and a great color, but actually it detracts its nutritional value. Unlike its wonky brother, the more wonky and the more disfigured that the fruit is, the more natural it is. And though it may not be very appealing to our eyes, though it may be a funky looking shape with nobbles and bumps all over it, though it may be duller in colour, though it may still have splatters of mud on it from whence it was pulled out of the ground, it is actually packed with nutritional goodness. And so if you want some good, wholesome, healthy food, you need to look for the fruit that has lumps and bumps and warts and all because it is packed with good for you. It is kind to your purse and it is also good to your body too. I think for way too long, the church has presented herself like the produce aisle of a supermarket where everything has to be uniformed and everything has to be perfect and everything has to be cloned and, and, and appear oh so right. That down the produce aisle of a supermarket where you find all these perfect fruit and vegetables, the church for too long has only had a certain caliber of people that attend to it, a certain type of family that would go to it. You would have to walk in a certain way and talk in a certain way to be classed as the religious norm to be accepted into the church and if you did not fit into that shape and you did not fit into that mold you were not welcome in the church in fact you were made to feel awkward or uncomfortable in the church but the more that I read my bible the more that I learn that that the god that religion has made him out to be is not who he actually is because when I read scriptures like John 3 16 it says this it says that for God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son. In other words, God loved this world so much he gave us everything that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Whosoever, whosoever, that is you, that is me, whosoever means everybody and anybody, whosoever. God is about every misfit, every outsider, every unpopular and every unnoticed person is noticed by God. You know, during this season of lockdown, the world has become a very different place. I don't know if you, like me, have recognised that the cars out on our roads have been replaced by runners. All sorts of people have taken to running. I mean, I have been fascinated by some of the shapes and the sizes that have taken to our streets. I mean, talk about the wonkies that are out running. There are people out there um, running, wearing all the gear and have no idea. People who clearly have never run before in their life. People wearing lycra who should not be wearing lycra are out on our streets. But I have wanted to clap them and I've wanted to applaud and celebrate them and say, 
Keep going. You're doing a great job. You're running yourself into a better future. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not inspired when the athlete goes racing past me on the street. All that does to me is intimidate me and make me aware of how unfit I am or how slow I am. And um, But I am inspired. In fact, I like it when I see these people wearing lycra because I can see their lumps and I can see their bumps and I can see their uglies. And it, I want to just say, keep on going, keep on pushing, keep on moving because every step you're taking, you're changing your future. Your future is going to bring about a different shape. Your future is going to look so much better than your past or your present if you just keep going. But do you know that the Bible is full of wonky characters? Characters, people that you would never think that God would use or could do anything good through their lives. And yet there are some incredible lessons to be learned from some people, some of the wonkies of the word of God, people who were flawed, people who failed, people who society discarded, people like Zacchaeus. I mean, the first thing the Bible tells us about Zacchaeus is he was a very little man. Like he wasn't the same standard as everybody else. He had short stubby legs and he was small in stature and the poor guy had to climb a tree because when he was stood in a crowd, he couldn't see what everybody else could see. He was wonky, right? He was different, but he was the one that Jesus stood by. He was the one that Jesus recognized and he was the one that Jesus went and spent some time with. There are people like Rahab and Gomer and Mary Magdalene. They're just three of the prostitutes that God did something awesome through their lives when they submitted their lives to him though they had flaws and failures God used them in a powerful way people like Moses had a speech impediment Jeremiah he suffered with depression and David was an adulterer and a murderer so you know there's a whole bunch of people in the Bible who are wonky but God did something great I mean let's talk about the disciples for a few minutes 12 teenage boys do you know they flunked school? Do you know they were 12 kind of dropouts? They never made the grade. They'd been at rabbi school, which tra was traditional for young men to, to be at a school, to learn the ways of the Torah and to become like a rabbi. But if you didn't cut the cloth, if you didn't make the grades, you were sent to learn the family trade, which was tent making or fishing or woodwork. Well, these boys had never made the grade. Tradition would have it back then that every rabbi had a discipleship following around him. Every rabbi had a gathering of young men that were up and coming, um, learning the Torah and mastering the ways of the rabbi. Well, when Jesus came on the scene, who was the ultimate rabbi, guess what he did? He took his trolley down a different aisle of the supermarket. He went and found the wonkies. He went and found the ones that the rabbis had discarded. He went and found the ones that the rabbis said would never make it. He took these 12 boys that society had pushed to one side. Yet were these not the 12 men who turned the world upside down? Were these not the 12 men who did miracles, signs and wonders under the name of Jesus? God is not wanting you to conform to the world's standard 
of normal. God doesn't care if there's something indifferent to you, to everybody else. I have met people over the years who have suffered with that if only syndrome. If only I had their looks. If only I was born to a different family. If only I'd had a different start in life. If only I had a better education. If only I had more. If only I could be more. If only I could do more. But let me tell you, if only syndrome is a time waster. A life spent competing and comparing is a life that is wasted. You are who you are for a reason. And when you put your life into the hands of God, you find your purpose and you find your reason for being who you are. I want to take you to a story in the Bible of a guy who was born less than. He was less than everybody else. He was born with a physical disability. And in this time and period that we find our story in, there was no hospitals and so there was no hope. So if you were born indifferent to anybody else, whether that be mentally or physically different, you were banished to the streets. There was no society that could take care, no social security that could take care of you. And therefore you were put out on the streets and the only way of earning a living was to become a beggar. And this guy's story is found in Mark 10 and he is known as blind Bartimaeus. Well, the word Bartimaeus means son of the unclean one. And his father was called Timaeus. So Bartimaeus was not even his birth name. Bartimaeus was not even his real name. Son of the unclean one called Timaeus. That's what society had called him. That's the label society had put on him. Do you know that society wants to label you and society wants to label I? They want to label you through who you were married to, what you went through, the problem you experienced, where you work, the kids you had. They want to label you with what you did. Society will always want to put a label on you. There was no funding and no system in place to take care of people such as Bartimaeus. At the very best, you were issued with a, a government beggar's cloak. And that meant that you were legal. If you wore this cloak, it was, um, it was a legal identity that you could go out on the streets and you could legally beg for money, hoping that someone somewhere would give you some spare change. Blind Bartimaeus's everyday life was just sitting by the roadside, just trying to survive the day, just trying to win the acceptance or the approval of others. But one day while he's sitting by the roadside, this commotion breaks out, like he can hear the voices and the thunderous feet of many, many people. And he, 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 he starts to ask, well, what's happening? What's going on? And somebody says to him, Jesus, Jesus, the one they call hero, the one they call miracle worker, he's in our town, he's coming down our street. And in that moment, blind Martimaeus fell to staring on the inside of him, because I don't know if you know this, but at the name of Jesus, hope arises. And at the name of Jesus, that which has always seemed impossible suddenly can become possible. And so blind Bartimaeus feels this stirring on the inside of him. His heart is pounding. He, he gets himself to his feet and he begins to shout out. So I want to just draw out three points, three lessons that we can learn from our story about Bartimaeus. If you're somebody today who feels like you've been left out, excluded or labelled with something, then here are three lessons that we can learn. And number one is this, the voice of the crowd will always try 
to shut you up. There was a huge crowd gathered around Bartimaeus, a huge crowd, and he would be overlooked in a crowd. In fact, if he did remain seated on the floor, he would have been trampled on. And he thought to himself, why should I miss out on the opportunity? He stood to his feet and he began to yell with such determination, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse 48, it says, be quiet. Many people yelled at him, but he only shouted all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to ask you today, what is it that you're shouting out to God that other people are trying to shut you up about? What is it that you're shouting? Are you shouting, Jesus, I believe that there is more to my life than what I see right now, but the voices around you, maybe they laugh at you. Maybe you've got a voice right now that's shouting out, actually, God, I'd really like to go to church. I'd really like to experience a faith in my life. But the people around you are saying, you're not a church person. Who do you think you are? Maybe in your voice right now, you're shouting out, Jesus, I want to break free from my addictions and some of the things that I struggled in. And the voices around you, the crowd is, are reminding you, but you are this person. You've always been addicted to that stuff. Don't you remember what you're like? Don't you know what you've done? And the crowd is telling you to be quiet and shut up. But the voice of the crowd will always try to limit your potential. The voice of the crowd sounds like discouragement. The voice of the crowd sounds like doubt. The voice of the crowd sounds like intimidation. The voice of the crowd sounds like you're not good enough. The voice of the crowd sounds like you're not like everybody else. No one's interested in you. You'll never get a job. You'll never get well. You'll never get married. The voice of the crowd sounds like you're too fat to run. What are you doing out there on the streets? The voice of the crowd will always try and shape your life if you listen. The voice of the crowd will try and keep you by the roadside while everybody else pushes in for their best. But Bartimaeus refused to listen to the crowd because, point number two, he thought his vision was worth fighting for. Some things in life are worth fighting for. A good marriage is worth fighting for. Good friendships in your life, they're worth fighting for. Your purity is worth fighting for. Right morals in a moralist society, it's worth fighting to keep your morals. And you living out your very best life is worth fighting for. And in this story, Bartimaeus had the boldness and the bravery to push against the voice of the crowd and believe that Jesus could turn his life around. And in that moment of him shouting out, Jesus stopped and Jesus heard him. I don't think it was just Bartimaeus's voice that Jesus heard. Think about it. There was a crowd, there was a multitude, and they were all shouting because everybody wanted something from Jesus that day. What did he hear from Bartimaeus? I believe that in Bartimaeus's voice, there was a passion, there was a determination, there was a boldness, there was desperation. And you know what? There was faith. There was faith that says, I know that if I can get Jesus to touch my life, I will be forever changed. And in verse 50, it says that Jesus called Bartimaeus over to him. Out of the whole crowd, Jesus 
called the one. I want you to know that today, that you're not lost in the crowd, that you're not forgotten in the crowd. If you're sitting at home and thinking, well, who am I that God would ever take notice of me? Like I could pray, but I don't think God would hear me. I mean, nations are praying and churches are praying. Let me tell you this, you're not lost in the crowd, but God hears your voice. And blind Bartimaeus was called, Jesus called him over. And in verse 50, it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. Point number three, you've got to be willing to throw away your cloak. The cloak was his identity. Without that coat, he couldn't get money. Without that coat, he couldn't legally beg. The cloak was what society had put on him. The cloak said, you are less than, you are not normal. You're not the same as everybody else. You are different, therefore you have to wear this cloak. But as soon as Jesus called his name, he knew that he would never have to wear that cloak again. Let me just tell you what it says says here in Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith this is what Bartimaeus did he wasn't surrounded by a cloud of witnesses but he was surrounded by a crowd of witnesses and in the same way that Bartimaeus threw off the thing that would hinder him threw off the limitation of his life to pursue Jesus in the same way Hebrews tells us we've got to throw off some stuff from our life we've got to throw off things that weight us down we've got to throw off things that cause us to sin or cause us to stumble and then in the same way that Bartimaeus went to Jesus it says that we need to run to Jesus he is the perfecter of our faith Bartimaeus, he threw off stigma. Bartimaeus, he threw off the opinion. And with the same tenacity, we need to throw off the lids and the labels of identity that people have put on us. We need to throw off the divorced one. We need to throw off the label of being a bad parent. We need to throw off the label of failure. We need to throw off the label of loneliness. We need to fix our eyes on the one, fix our eyes on Jesus. And today, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, you can start to live your best life. Well, Jesus asks Bartimaeus the strangest of questions. He asks him, what do you want? And when I read this, I kind of laughed to myself because I want to go, are you blind too, Jesus? Like the man would have had to be guided over to Jesus because he wouldn't have been able to get from here to there on his own. He would have had to have somebody to escort him. And so it would have been obvious that he had no sight. And yet Jesus asks him, what do you want? Well, this is what I think. I think Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to articulate his problem to him. He wanted him him, he wanted to hear Bartimaeus say the words, I want to see. You know, so often we get lazy 
So often we get so consumed with our own self-pity that we sit there and we think, well, God, you know what's wrong with me. Well, God, you know what my problem is. Why can't you just fix it? Well, you know what's happening to me. Why do I need to talk to you about it when you're the God you just know? But there is power in articulating because when you can confess with your mouth the issue that's wrong, the sin, the pride, the guilt, the shame, the hurt and the pain, when you can confess with your mouth, it is an open for God to deposit his miracle working power in your life. And so he asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? And and he said to God that I, he said to Jesus, I want to be able to see. And Jesus said to him, your faith, because you believe in me, has made you well. God said something wonderful. God did something powerful that day. He did something wonderful and powerful through the lives of many wonky people in the Bible. And today God's asking you, what do you want? What is it that you can articulate for him that you want to see changed in your life? God did some amazing things through some very wonky characters in the Bible. And the same God who was at work back then is the same God who's at work in your life and my life today. When you are in the presence of Almighty God, you don't have to hide the real you because He knows you. And do you know the church is the place where you can wear your lycra? metaphorically speaking, of course. But church is the place where you can be the real you. Church is the place where we celebrate the lumps and the bumps and the uglies that are on you. We don't judge you because of what has been, but we celebrate all that can be. And we say to you, just keep coming, just keep praying, just keep reading, just keep worshiping, just keep pressing into the presence of God. Because as you do, you're setting your future up to be strong bigger and brighter than your past has ever been. And as you move towards the things of God, your shape begins to change. Your character begins to change. You are who you are for a reason. God has a place and a purpose for you. So in the words of the greatest showman, you need to live out your best life and acknowledge that this is me. to the dark hide away they say cause we don't want your broken parts I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars run away they say no one will love you as you are but I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us glorious when the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send a flood gonna drown them out I am brave I am bruised I am who I'm meant to be this is me and the sharpest words Wanna cut me down? I'm gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come.
the one who's always felt like the misfit. Maybe you're the one who's always felt like the outsider, the outcast, the one who's never fitted quite into a shape or a mold in society. Maybe you're somebody who's sitting watching today and you feel like you've lived life with a label on you that somebody else has put on you because of something you went through. Well, I believe today that God is still in the business of removing labels and setting people free from the confinement of how society tells us that we should be. I believe that today you can enter into a relationship with Jesus, just like Bartimaeus did. You can meet Jesus right now, just where you are. Our churches might be closed. We might not be able to get into the church, but Jesus can still get into you. It is just one prayer away. And so as I pray this prayer, I'm inviting you to pray this prayer with me and ask Jesus to become your Lord and Saviour. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every word that I've heard spoken today. Today, I want a relationship with you. Today, I articulate with my voice that I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come and live in my heart and set my life on a new path. Help me, O oh God, to follow your ways and to learn and to know more about you. And I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amazing stuff. 
You know, if you prayed that prayer today, then we're so excited for you. Following Jesus makes your life better and it makes you better at life as well. And we would love to get you started strong. So let us know by clicking the raise hand button if you're watching on our website or simply by copying and pasting the link on your screen right now if you're watching anywhere else. Before we sign off today, if you've been encouraged or inspired by this message, then we would love to give you the opportunity to sow financially into the work that we do here at Liverpool One Church. Through this season, because of your generosity, of your giving, some of the most vulnerable people within our community are being cared for and looked after. Because of your financial help over the past five weeks, thousands of meals have been prepared and delivered to the unwell, the elderly and the impoverished. So thank you, and let's never lose sight of the fact that there are people at the end of your giving. There's a number of ways that you can give that are on screen right now, so let's do that. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for joining us online today. We hope that you've been encouraged and inspired and don't forget to connect with us on social media or on the link that's on your screen right now. Have a great week.